Ho, ho, ho! Greetings from the North Pole and welcome to Money MD. We're giving presents to all the boys and girls for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We've been making a list and checking it twice and delivering common sense solutions to all your complex problems. Naughty or nice. And now, here are my delightful elves. Oh, <coughs> sorry, I mean doctors. Hold on a second. Was that Santa introducing us again? Didn't we Didn't we have him in just last week? We did, but we got him to stop by again. That's amazing. You know, so, I mean, isn't he kind of busy? I mean, it's getting right up till like time for him to deliver all those gifts. I think we could have interrupted his schedule. So if someone lost some gifts or something, uh, uh, maybe, maybe because he stopped by here, but hopefully it's worth it. I, well, I hope he's got the elves out doing all the shopping for the kids out there. That's right. So I uh, hope we didn't hold him up too long. But yeah, the money elves, that's us. We're back again. Uh, with another great show. And, you know, we're going to start off, John, with how to get Finn organized. Finn that's, organized. That's financially that's organized. What I thought it would be. That is very, very important. What a great time of the year to do that here at the end of the year. You can get all your information together for next year. Jump in the next year with a plan and with an organizational system of how to handle your finances. So now's the time to kind of start gearing up for that and have a plan for how to go into next year as a thin, organized person. I like it. I like it. We're going to uh, kind of bounce off of that to talking about uh, teaching young children um, how to save and invest. It can be both fun and educational. Um, it's a good discussion from a guy named Rick Edelman, and uh, we're going to throw some Ramsey in there as well. But, you know, as you're getting thin organized, you can also communicate not only to your young kids about some things, but also your your adult children as well. So it's a good opportunity to think about, you know, as you pull everything together, what is that going to look like for your family and then starting to communicate? Yeah, teaching is very, very important, and um, what a great legacy to pass on to your kids. So that's a great topic. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 23 years' experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We had the podcast link on the right-hand side. We also have a lot of videos, instructional videos, uh, conversations, topics, retirement planning, college planning, a lot of calculators and tools that you can uh, take a look at as well on the website. And uh, we have a Facebook page. We put a, uh, a weekly post out there, um, and we also are tweeting. Matthew's doing some tweeting out there. So we try to do a lot of ways, a lot of different mediums to communicate uh, our message. Yep, and you can reach us uh, directly by email at info at moneymd.net. We would love to hear from you. Um, we're going to start off this week with the financial fact of the week. Yes, this comes from the uh, Social Security Administration. And um, interesting, Steve, when Social Security was set up back in 1935 by President Franklin D. Roosevelt, um, you know, he has financial people um, that got their abacuses out there and started doing some estimates and Did so forth. Projections, that, huh? That's right. And uh, they had projected in 1980, uh, 45 years later, that their, the expenditures would be $1.3 billion, with a B, um, you know, so they were looking at 45 years. The actual outlay in 1980 was 149 billion versus wow. 1.3 billion. They missed I mean, it by just, just a little bit. Just low. a little bit. <laughs> it's amazing when you look out over 45 years, and uh, there are a lot of you know sway and factors. The different options and so forth can make a big difference. People are living a lot longer 
than what they projected. That's that's a piece of it. That's a big one. Inflation and just the amount of money that they started adding to people. It was it was crazy through Social Security. That's right. You know, so they were just a little bit off there. You know, and if that's one of the worrisome ones, I mean, that's not as bad as Medicare. I mean, Medicare is is the one that really could, you know, end up bankrupt in the U.S. if we're not careful, according to the CBO. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these programs, they cost a lot, and the projections are usually way off. But um, Changes are coming. Changes are coming someday. But uh, don't worry about that today, though. I mean, yeah, focus on the focus on the holidays. There you go. And your finances. So that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is how to get Finn organized. Yeah, this is based on an article out of Investopedia, um, Rene uh, Gobble, I believe, very recently. and uh, But, you know, I mean, the, the key here is getting organized. And what a great time the holidays are for getting financially organized, since you'll likely have a little extra time on your hands over the next few weeks. Maybe when you're sitting around, you know, after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, I think it's a great time to get a lot of things done. And and to get organized for the new year. So how great would it feel if you went into 2019 with a new system for getting on top of your finances? And being organized with money and finances is is about more than just paying the bills on time and having some cash to spend. You know, while you look around, uh, look at those around you, you know, and you think you're doing pretty well compared to them um, without organization you know, and planning and good habits, it's tough to keep up with the ins and outs of your money, particularly when you're faced with unexpected or significant changes in your life, which always occur. Um, So regardless of how much money we have, it's important to manage it well. And managing our money well is nearly impossible without a reasonable level of organization. However, if you want to be very successful with your finances, then having a complete system of organization really is a requirement. Um, the better that system, the more likely you are to stay uh, on track and to continue, um, you know, when life gets busy. So here are eight habits of highly thin organized people, which will put you in a position to stay successful with your money, even when the pressure of life is on. Yeah, the first one here is <laughs> we're going to go to, we always go to is a budget. Having, making sure you have a monthly budget. Unfortunately, that's it. It is. And, um, you know, having a, a budget really is the backbone of all good financial organization and keeping up with the monthly uh, expenses are going to enable you to stay on track over time. And, you know, of course, many expenses change on a month monthly basis. So you'll want to track your expenses monthly and make adjustments to the budget as uh, things change. So that, that old B word um, comes into play with good financial organization yeah well sometimes we'll call it a spending plan just so it doesn't doesn't you know so it's not negative have that negative connotation right but you know if you don't have a budget then get started today i mean just start by keeping it simple it doesn't have to be complicated you know just breaking down your major expenses into 10 or 12 different categories and recording your expenses accordingly you know each month and then after a few months you can adjust your budget to kind of the real life situation. And by the end of the six months or so, you should have a great idea of where your money is going on a monthly basis and and where it's coming from. Um, So, you know, add the categories as time goes on and you start to experience some non-routine expenses such as insurance and taxes and you discover those. But, But start off with some kind of simple budget. It will help motivate you in the other areas of your finances, I promise you. 
So it's also a very effective motivational tool, and it releases a lot of the stress that we talked about last week, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to your finances. So that's number one. Number two here is use financial software. This is part of making it easy and keeping it simple. You know, financial software isn't just for investments. I mean, you can find free, scaled-down budgeting software online to help you keep track of your daily expenses with apps like Mint.com. You know, and within those programs, you can get detailed information of where your money's going. You can link to your credit cards and your bank account, and it'll automatically break those down into different different accounts um, and help you keep track of where that's going. You know, so stick with the well-known providers like Mint, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar is another great app out there. I think you have to pay a little bit for that. But, um, you know, you want to make sure your information is safe and protected. and But you want to use some good software to help make this a lot easier. Yeah, another one of the habits is is keeping your documents in one place. Uh, start by getting your financial documents organized. Some people put receipts in envelopes while others use file folders. You can separate them in a file drawer or electronically for, for statements and bills. And, of course, you're, you're going to want to keep a separate folder for unpaid bills, which should be placed in a prominent place until they're paid. Um, you know, we'll have separate folders for things like tax deductible payments, medical insurance reimbursements. So these don't get mixed in with other types of bills. So just kind of having a system, a filing system, if you will, as these documents come in. Yeah. And even if most of your bills arrive electronically, you still need files for those that come by them in mail. Um, so yes, I mean, some still do homeowners, may not get, you know, property tax, homeowners insurance bills electronically because these bills are paid on an annual basis and, you know, by and large they're going to come in the mail. So, you know, for storage, I mean, keep your pending bills near your desk maybe, um, you know, where you normally write your checks or pay your bills online. You know, invest in a simple file cabinet or, or file folder along with um, the folders that go with it, you know, and Given that most credit card statements, financial accounts are also available online, many folks, they'll, you know, kind of throw out their bills once they're paid, um, preferably after shredding them for privacy and identity theft. But if you prefer to keep your records for tax purposes or just for security, you know, file these statements, um, you know, into your new file filing system. And, um you know, if you could part with the paper copies and could tolerate not physically filing your bills by hand, then stay tuned for our advice <laughs> on scanning and shredding these documents because that's next. The next one here on the list is, you know, um, you know, you do want to – well, we'll get to that in a minute. But the, the next one here is to pay your bills the same day you receive them or automate them. I like the last yeah. one. Automate. Yeah. Automate. I do too. I like automating them, but you know, if you can't automate it, I'd say pay it immediately. You know, the one touch principle, you know, you get it, you pay it, you're done with it. You don't put it off to later because then it just, you know, builds up in a clutter pile. So if you have money available in your bank account though, and you don't have, um, you know, uh, uh, other credit card, uh, debit pill bills, um, you know, that come through and cause an overdraft, your bills as soon as you get them, then, you know, you need to just have enough money in your bank account, bottom line, and so you can automate it. Um, so automate everything possible to be paid electronically, but have a system make sure that it actually happens. Pay attention to the paper bills that normally come electronically. Um, you don't want those bills to be paid twice because you receive a duplicate in the mail. So always look carefully at those before you pay the paper bills to make sure they're not 
being satisfied by a bank draft or a credit card charge that's scheduled for a later date. Yeah, the next one here on the list is, is uh, when you're talking about bills, uh, have a checklist. Uh, you never know when you're going to miss an invoice uh, or have a problem seeing an email. So create a monthly checklist of the bills you're expecting. Uh, you can keep it on your desk or in your bill paying area uh, or create a file on your computer. Um, you can also use a calendar. Um, you know, that's a great way to kind of write on a, a big picture for a month. Um, there's some free online calendars out there. Um, you can use a wall calendar. Um, you know, you get, your money has appointments as well. So give each dollar a job and make sure it gets to, to where it's going. Um, highlight paydays, um, how much uh, automatically gets transferred to savings. It, this takes a little bit of work, but people that are financially organized, this is what they're doing. Absolutely. <clears throat> yep. They have a system just like that. Next one here is discuss your finances with your spouse or your significant other. So don't do this in the dark, you know, by yourself. I mean, whether it's your your spouse or your significant other or relative, you know, you want to be on the same page when it comes to your finances. It's very difficult to follow a plan if your spouse is not in agreement and doesn't buy into the plan. Also, I mean, you know, you can, you know, bounce a check or credit card payment if you don't know how much the other person's spending. So schedule a date night once a year to set your goals and then meet maybe monthly over dinner to review your state of the economy here with your finances and make it a relaxing, fun conversation without criticizing each other about actions. Instead, focus on the bright future and dreams that you have that you're going to be reaching by being successful with your finances and, you know, start by signing up maybe for, for both of you signing up for a Dave Ramsey financial peace university class. Um, as we mentioned last week, you know, and take that each week during the start of the new year to get, help yourself get organized and get on track with your finances. And the seventh one here is, um, you know, financial organized people have scanners and shredders and, you know, instead of filing every single statement in the drawers or boxes forever and ever, um, and you can never find anything that gets cluttered and it's hard to store, you know, get you a good self-feed scanner and a shredder. Um, so you get three statements on the fifth of the month and you want to keep them, you know, for, for a long time, then run all three through the scanner and then immediately shred it. And the scanner will dump it on a PDF on your computer and um, you drag them immediately to a folder that you have. In about three minutes, you have those statements scanned and saved forever and you can quickly find them. There's no more clutter. And this is uh, your end end of your statement. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You know where it is. That's right. Stop the madness. I think that's Stop a great way to do it. I'm a big fan of scanning and shredding, you know, then it's gone. And it's on your computer and you got those files forever. You know, you back up your computer once a month, you're good to go. Um, the last one here on the list, though, John, number eight is to have two bank accounts. Um, and this kind of helps you with budgeting. You know, you use one account for discretionary spending and saving and the other to pay non-discretionary expenses like rent and utilities. Um, that way you can prevent depleting your paycheck, you know, before all your necessary expenses are paid. So if you're having trouble staying on track with a budget and overspending, one way to do that <clears throat> is to have this two account system where your discretionary expenses are paid out of one account. And when it runs out of money and runs dry, it's time to forego any more of those discretionary expenses for the rest of the month. So it's kind of a safeguard system to stop you from overspending. Another way to do it is the envelope system, which mm -hmm. we've talked about before. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but that helps you keep you organized. And you just use cash for your discretionary expenses. And you have a different envelope for every discretionary expense. You put the cash in there at the beginning of the month. 
when the money's gone, it's gone and you're done spending in those areas. So I think that's a very good system. So, you know, whatever you do, you just need to get a system in place to get FIN organized in 2019. Make sure you have a system, revise your system. Everybody has some kind of system, but there's certainly got to be room for improvement. So, you know, get some new files, you know, start afresh, um, create more organized files, not the haphazard ones you might have. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, get them, get them organized. Put your old files up in the attic or something. Put the new ones out there and start fresh with a better organized system. And I would highly recommend that the scanner shredder option yeah, where you're I doing like electronically. So um, that's your, your story for how to get thin organized. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. This question is about the uh, real rate of return. I hear people talking about that term. Um, what does real rate of return mean? And what it's really talking about is you have to take the uh, the actual returns. Let's use an example. Let's say you're making 2% on your savings and your checking account, and the inflation rate is 3%. You would actually take that 2%, subtract off the 3%, and your real return would be a negative 1%. So, yes, you can lose money in cash. You can lose the spending power Absolutely. in <clears throat> cash. So if you go to the stock market and you say, hey, I'm going to try to make 7% minus the 3%, your real return would be 4%. Yeah, that's right. That's a simple way of doing it. That's kind of the simple way. I mean, technically, you divide it by the rate of return by one plus the inflation rate, technically, but it comes out to be about the same. Similar. So yeah. simple ways just to subtract it and, you know, but you got to count for inflation. That's the point here. You got to make sure that you realize what is your real rate of return. If you're only making 2% in the bank, are you really making anything? No, you're actually losing money after inflation yeah. in most cases. So um, good question of the week. And that leads us up here to our last topic, and that is how to teach young children to save and invest. Yeah, this can be fun. Can be educational for your kids. Um, it comes from a guy named Rick Edelman. Um, you know, when it comes to teaching your kids about money, you can start them young. Um, you know, you can start them at five uh, with some of these simple concepts. Uh, as they get older, um, they can help you with bill paying, um, expose them, and talk to them about tax returns. And um, you know, if you have some money for them, like um, you know, they get birthday money or whatever, you can open up open up a brokerage account. Uh, or a custodial account, <clears throat> let them pick a stock or two. They may know of um, Disney. Most kids know about Disney, or um, maybe they know about a car for some reason. I don't know. But they can pick individual stocks, and you can educate them. You'll get prospectuses and so forth, and you can kind of you know talk to them about how the stock market works. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you know, you won't know what that really goes into the stock analysis before investing your money, so that – that's where the educational process begins. You know, another resource is popular mutual funds. Um, you know, many fund families offer material designed for kids and even some actual mutual funds that are aimed directly at children. So use the resources that are out there, kind of introduce them to the world of investing. Um, there's a lot of material that, that funds have that are geared toward kids. Yeah. And if you don't participate or don't understand it, um, you know, there's resources out there. You're going to need to learn a little bit about it because your kids are going to ask you. If you can't give them an answer, uh, use the question as an opportunity to learn and go go figure out what the answer is. It's a great, great way to spend time with your, your children and uh, it's going to improve their education and, uh, and your personal finances as well as you do some research. It's a great website. I went out there and took a look at it a little bit as we were you know, preparing for this, this uh, conversation. And it's a, um, a lot of information out there. It's called jumpstartcoalition.org. 
It's a nonprofit organization committed to helping educating school children. And, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of information out there. We'll go into some detail here, but, um, you know, it's, it's really for personal financial literacy. That's right. And the Jumpstart Coalition for Personal Financial Literacy, they determined that the average student who graduates from high school lacks the basic skills for management of their personal affairs, you know, and, and simple things. I mean, many of them are unable to balance a checkbook and most simply, you know, have no insight into the basic savings principles of of interest and earning and, you know, dividends and spending and saving and investing they have no idea what those concepts are, so they're really not taught anything. You, you have to, you know, it has to come from the parents. I mean, there are some things they can get in school, but, you know, most likely the parents got to get involved. Yeah, you know, a lot of young people fail in the management of their uh, first consumer credit experience. Um, they establish bad financial management habits, and they really stumble through their lives learning by trial and error. So the coalition's direct objective is to encourage curriculum enrichment to ensure that, um, you know, some of the basic personal financial management skills are attained um, during the K through 12 education experience. There's about 150 nonprofit organizations and sponsors on the website. It's really good for school teachers and others who want to um, teach students about money and investments. Dave Ramsey obviously has a lot of good resources to teach your kids, books, games, videos. He actually has a, a high school curriculum that we've sponsored in some local schools here. Um, so there's a couple hundred students going through that. North Augusta, Midland Valley, Greenbrier, and South Aiken are doing doing his program. So, um, and the feedback is great from the teachers and the students as well. So, um, I do think one of the most powerful uh, concepts um, when when you have a young child is the ten fifteen seventy five concept. Ten percent is giving. 15% is saving, and you can put that into a mutual yeah. fund and a custodial account. And then the other 75% can be spent on on anything, right? It's right. a very simple concept. <clears throat> Label right. a jar, take a portion of, of every dollar, put it into these jars. Uh, I know when our kids were young, we would actually match them on the savings dollar for dollar, and it started becoming very expensive. <laughs> so, yeah. so if they got $25 and they wanted to put it all in in, in the the savings piece of it or the the 15% bucket, um, we would match them twenty five dollars to encourage them, and it's wow. and we stopped that really quickly because they <laughs> became good savers. But it's it's a game. It's they got them started. That's right. That's right. So we um and then you know that money went into a custodial account, and they turned eighteen years old, and they had you know a couple thousand dollars in there from contributions and also the growth yep. over time. So very yeah. simple concept, but it's very effective. Yeah, we actually did the same thing. Matched them, you know, when they started a Roth, when they started a real job. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we, when we were, when my kids were coming up, we did the 10% giving, we had 50% savings oh, and dude. 50% in spending account. Yeah, we did. 50%. You're, you're tough, Well, man. because, I mean, we had them save for short-term yeah, goals no, and long-term goals, you know? And so they were saving for things like a bicycle, you know I mean? Sure. Josh bought his first guitar, you know, from money he had saved through that. So, you know, just things like that. They're, they need to learn to save for, for more short-term goals. Mm-hmm. Um, just not spend it immediately. So just kind of wanted to teach them that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, making financial education a game is another good way to do it. Um, for example, you know, there's a game on the site that teaches children about earning money and paying bills. And the children first select the level of education they want, high school dropout, you know, high school degree or college degree. 
and then it kind of goes on from there. But uh, I think making it a game is a great way to do it. Yeah, and based on that level, the education level chosen, a, a corresponding salary is given. Um, then it's up to the child to budget and plan for expenses. Um, You've got housing, food, car, and so forth. And the site also lets the child build a lifestyle, uh, such as choosing the kind of house and car he or she wants and shows them how much money the child needs to earn to support that lifestyle. It's great, really a great opportunity for your children to get some insight about what uh, grown-ups have to contend with. Dave Ramsey has a, uh, a game that's called Act Your Wage, um, yeah. which is similar to that. So, um, you know, it teaches you um, just how to, to manage money. It gives you an opportunity to have some education in um, helping them out. So some of the basic, I guess, the takeaways, talk to your kids starting at age five. Talk to them about giving and saving if all of America did the 10, 15, 75% concept, then we would have minimal issues. But a lot of those things are not taught in the households or in school. And um, so, as I mentioned earlier, we, we do fund educational initiatives in, in local high schools. We use that Dave Ramsey material as well. So if you have any questions, you can certainly reach out to us. We have uh, a lot of experience in that area. And uh, it's info at moneymd.net. Yep. Great topic. You definitely want to help educate your kids with finances. And that leads us up to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, I would say turn off the TV. <clears throat> yep. Particularly when the markets are, are a little when volatile. When the markets get a little volatile, yeah. you definitely don't want to listen. They don't want to take your advice from the talking heads That's on That's right. Don't don't get your advice from the favorite uncle or, you know, CNBC, Jim Cramer, um, you know, these folks have, they, they, no one knows which direction the markets are going to go. We do know from history that the markets go up more than they go down. They're up about 75% of the time. And, you know, if you have a plan and you're well diversified and you kind of understand that one fact of it being down 25%, it can, you can get through it. It's not, I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but you can, you can manage through it and not be so stressful. Yeah, you got to have some patience when it comes to investing and recognize there are going to be down years and down months and, uh, you got to just ignore these market gyrations and certainly ignore the talking heads on TV and realize that, you know, their job is to be sensational. You know, they're going to sensationalize whatever it is they're covering because they're trying to get the ratings up. They're they're not in the same they don't have the same objective as you do. So stop taking advice for them. Diversify your investments. Be patient and just ignore it, you know, focus on Christmas, focus on the season. <laughs> That's right. You've got all next year to worry about your investment. There, there was a study done a couple of years ago that um, they looked at all the predictions of market forecasters and the people that are famous in the industry and interest rates and so forth, and they were wrong more than they were right. So don't make decisions based on headlines. We see it all the time. We'll look at you know, one site like CNBC, and it'll say one thing, and you'll go to another site, you know, whatever, CBS Market Watch, and it'll say exactly the opposite. So they're really, no one knows the direction. Have a plan, be diversified. Um, it has worked out historically very well when you do that. That's right. And it changes every single day. So, you know, if you're alarmed by what you hear today, just, just tune it in, tune in tomorrow. It'll be totally different, I promise you. So don't pay attention to all these gyrations you hear. On TV. Okay, well, this brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 